Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Father, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, let your spirit lead us. Let your spirit lead us in every part of our life. Let your spirit lead this church. Lord God, based in your word, driven by your spirit. Lord God, let us be consumed with your love with your communion. Lord, be glorified in this house today. Lord God, with so many people coming in from so many different areas, there's sorrows, there's anger, there's joy, there's complacency, there's apathy. Lord, there's a combination of people in here this morning. But Spirit, Holy Spirit, you can touch each person this morning in the appropriate way and in a gentle way, convicting and confirming. Lord God, we welcome your discipline. We welcome your guidance. Help us to have the boldness to grab hold of what you have for each one of us individually, but also collectively as a body. So today, we lay it all down at your feet. This morning, help us to silence those outside voices, all that outside noise, so that we can focus solely upon you, your voice, and what you have for each one of us. Lord God, give us the boldness not to run from the challenge and the adventure that you have for each one of us, but to embrace it, to embrace it this morning, to embrace it every single day. Lord, be glorified in the powerful name of our King, our Savior, and our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone shout it out. Amen. You guys can be seated. Gosh, I almost said you guys can be dismissed. No, you cannot be dismissed. Not yet. You know what? I am so raring to go this morning, and I'll explain why. Um, I, I barely made it through worship. I just wanted to jump up here and get going, but I'm so glad I didn't because worship was wonderful. Kids, you are dismissed. Let's get the kids rolling. All right. Big breath. All right. Now, I am going to run through announcements so quick today because I don't want to spend any time on them. Um, you guys know about the app, right? You can get the app, you can jump on the app, you've got the bulletin and a calendar on the app so you will know what's going on. If you don't have the app, there's how you get the app. Um, you just download the Church Center app and you select Bridge as your home church. If you actually are on a smartphone, if you download the Church Center app, it will say search churches close to your location and, and if you're in here this morning, Hopefully Bridge will come up, because hopefully Bridge is the closest church you're at right now. Um, and then you just go through that. But, but quick announcements, the slip and slide kickball um, that was scheduled for yesterday, we postponed it, simply because it was like the nicest, coolest day in the last six weeks. 
And it's like eh, 60 degrees. And I know what the well water temperature is, and it, it would have been chilly. So we just put that back a week. That will be this coming Saturday, same time, 1.30 to 3.30. Come out and enjoy that. Um, after service today, we will be celebrating in the basement with a little barbecue and potluck thing. Mike and Gail's Amen. newlywed wedding bliss anniversary. So that is right after service. Please stay, even if you're a guest here this morning, stay and hang out and get to know some people here. It's always good to get to know people. At your... What? Free food. There, yeah, that's a, hey, there's free food. But really, if you don't feel uncomfortable staying, please stay. We'd love to get to know you better. Prayer walk. Prayer walk um, this week will focus on Jim Darcy School North um, in the Valley. The board is out there, the, the map, all the different places we've prayed so far this summer. You can catch some of those places, but uh, this week will be Jim Darcy. We're trying to hit all the schools before they start. I think that's it for announcements. How you like that? Maybe the fastest I've ever done them. Um, kids, or, uh, <laughs> kids Church, I saw. Four ways to give, right? You can give in the boxes in the back. You can give online. You can mail it. Um, you can, what's the text to give? You can give through our app, giving just an opportunity to allow you guys to do what God has asked you to do. That's simply, oh, and Doyle just reminded me of one more thing. Um, we just want to give you that opportunity to give. I was listening on the radio, and, and uh, the guy on the radio, he was a, a preacher. I don't remember which one, but he said, if you're struggling in your faith, try giving God your finances, because that's the easiest way to build your faith, is to, is to give him rule and reign over your finances. And the last announcement I forgot is backpacks. Backpacks. This is the last day to grab the backpacks. K through 5, we're packing them. We're putting a handwritten letter of encouragement and prayer in each backpack. I don't know what grades are left, but we do have some backpacks left. Grab them. At, they're all due back next week, though. So make sure if you took a backpack, you bring them back next week. Are we good? Are we ready? Let's go. We're, oh, I'm ready to go. Put your seatbelts on. Everybody, grab your seatbelt, put it on. Um, I'm telling you, oh, this message. Let's pray. Let's just pray. Father, Lord, once again, thank you that we can come into your house. Unimpeded. Really unimpeded, Lord. We still live in a nation where, where uh, we just, we're freely able to come into your house or get online and listen with really without any repercussions. We thank you for that. Holy Spirit, take over. Spirit, lead us. Allow me to speak those things that you would have me to speak and shut my mouth with anything else. And Holy Spirit, once again, I pray that nobody leaves here today the same way that they came in. Lord, we give you permission in each one of our lives to challenge us convict us, change us, so that when we leave here today, there is something different about us. We are a little bit closer to you. We are a little bit more like Jesus. We, we are, our thought processes have been challenged, just our general outlook in life and how we treat people. So Lord, be glorified today. We pray this in your name, the name of Jesus. And once again, everybody said, Amen. Amen. I got to share something with you. 
before I get started. So last week, last Sunday was amazing. If you guys were here, you know how amazing that was. The, the, the time of communion was like no other communion I've ever been a part of. It was, it was special. It was, it was truly amazing. And I came out of that service, and usually God prompts me a little bit of what next week is going to look like if I'm not going through verse by verse by verse, which I, which I do do a lot. And I kind of had an idea what God was prompting me to speak on. And I came in Monday morning. I love my Monday mornings because I'm raring to go. I love early Monday. I can jump in. I can talk to God. He can start showing me more. I can start expanding the scriptures. And I can be like, God, this is amazing. I, I see where we're going. And I, and I understand why we need this message. I mean, that's the kind of conversations I have with, with God. And, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm Monday morning. I know the scripture that I need to go through. And I'm, I'm second-guessing myself. Not second-guessing God. I'm second-guessing myself. Because I'm going, God, I don't see where this is going. I don't quite understand why, why you would send me here this week. I, I just, I don't quite get it, and, and, uh, and, and all the time I'm just like that song, I'm trusting you, Spirit, I'm trusting you, Spirit, lead me. So I'm working through, and, and God and I are having this great conversation, and he's showing me what to write and everything, and I'm, I'm still going, gosh, I just, I don't see how this message is, is quite so appropriate for this Sunday? Why isn't this happening a month or two months or six months from now? Why, why are you having me do this this Sunday? But I kept going. And I, and I got through most of it. By, by Tuesday afternoon, I had, I had pretty much finished it up, still thinking, okay, I'm, I'm just not getting it, but I'm trusting you, God. And then I get a phone call Wednesday evening. About 6 o'clock, I get a phone call from Tamara and John. Both of our phones, Amy and I's phones, are there going off. And, and I answer, and, and uh, John says, Hey, somebody tried to break into the church. Somebody bashed in the front door. They tried to get in. It's, it's all peeled out. And we haven't, they were here for worship practice. And so I, man, I had had such a busy week. I was relaxing. I had my plate of these... Oh, smoked pork nachos. Oh, so good. And I was just planning on relaxing all Wednesday night, and all of a sudden, it's like go time. I jump in the truck. I head right over here. Amy calls Bruce. Bruce calls. What do you need me to do? I'm on my way. Um, that's the kind of people we have in this church. I'm on my way. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you need me or not. I'm coming up anyway. I get here. I look. Worship team standing in front of the church, thank goodness. And yeah, the window is absolutely bashed in. They said, we haven't gone in yet. I'm like, I'm going in. Cops are on their way. Um, so I open the door. I take a quick look. Nobody's in here. Nothing's missing. Police come. They spent two and a half hours here, probably great officers. It was, it was amazing. We have security cameras. We have the vehicle on video, had a fake license plate, a stolen license plate was on it, but one of the officers said, I know that car, I know that car, and he goes, I just can't place it, I know that car, he jumps on his phone, calls his buddy on the drug task force, said White Lumina, the guy says, gives the name, the guy's like, that's exactly who it is, we know who did this, they've got prints, 
They, we got video. They've got everything they need. They helped us put the, the sheet of plywood up. The officers did. And they said, hey, we're going to go find so-and-so. I'm like, right on. That's cool. So after all of that, you know, that kind of distracts you from a lot of things, right? It's like, oh, gosh. Thank you, Lord, that you protected our church. Thank you, Lord, that we put the security film on the front door because that kept that person from getting in. So all this is going through my mind. And then I come back to this message. And it all starts making sense. It all starts making sense. There's so many times I've told you this, that God gives me the message, then I get, I get it for a week. Man, I get this message for a week, and then I get to give it to you guys. And you guys can do whatever you want with it, honestly. My job is to give it to you. I hope you listen. I hope you apply it. I do. But I pass it on. But this one was different, because this one, it's like, he gave me the message directly to me. And now I have to wrestle with some things because of what happened Wednesday night. How I might perceive things. How I might look at things. How I might judge things. And it's just one of those wonderful things where, where Jesus comes in, the Holy Spirit comes in, and He just starts dumping everything. He starts knocking over every box, every bucket. He just makes a mess of everything, and it's the most beautiful mess there is. Because He says, what are you going to do with this mess? Are you going to let me help you reorganize this? reorganize your thinking. That's, that's how we've gotten here today. So, uh, so please bear with me. It's got an interesting title that, that I had the title Monday. Jumped right out at me. It's not about the pigs. It's about the person. So this morning I do want to look at a passage of Scripture and how those that are involved in this Scripture respond in very different ways and why. And of course, after reading this passage, I think that we can all agree that it's in very, very, very unlikely any of us will ever be in a situation quite like this one. However, the reactions we see can be seen more often than we may realize. To be truthful, each one of us here today, including me, must decide how we will respond when we find ourselves in everyday and extraordinary situations in which God presents Himself. And this also does very much tie into what we talked about last Sunday in the message fabricated versus family and that mindset and how it reflects to who Jesus is to you. Who Jesus is to each one of you. We got a long text to start out with today, so just bear with me. We're going to read the whole thing, and then we'll pull some stuff out of this. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. Chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I gotta, I'm going to read it from the slides, but I think I have like five slides worth of text today. So we're going to be in Mark 5, 1 through 20, it says this. They came to the other side of the sea, to the, to the country of the Gerasians, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. 
He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirit came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came... And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had, who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described it to them what had happened. And the demon-possessed man, and uh, to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Everyone marveled. That's a lot of text on a Sunday morning. And I'll be honest, there is a lot going on here. And we could break this text down and focus it and take it in a lot of different ways. But for today, I want to contrast the response of the demon-possessed man with that of the people of the surrounding area that had come out to see what had happened. Now, I want to start, though, by saying passages like this can be difficult for some people to engage in because it's dealing with the supernatural. And in a lot of churches, we don't like to talk about the supernatural. But the supernatural is God. So we need to be talking about the supernatural. Well, well in this passage, we're talking about the supernatural power of Jesus, but we're, we're also talking about this idea of demon possession. And despite where you are in your ideology, in your theology, your philosophy, and all of this, we must understand that biblically speaking, demon possessions, as well as demonic manifestations, were and are a real thing. Even today, 
or maybe I should say especially today, demons are an influential part of this world. Now this will not be our focus in this message today. However, it sets the stage for the realization of God's power and God's authority. And I hope that makes sense. So now let's take a look, starting with this crazy man with an unclean spirit. So here we have a man who has been driven. The townspeople have driven him from ordinary society into the tombs. The tombs are where the dead people are buried, right? Because it was believed that the tombs were the place for the possessed to haunt. They didn't, man, they didn't want him around the neighborhood, right? Could you blame him? This guy's crazy. He's unclean. He's saying things. He's cutting himself. They've done stuff to him. They don't want him around, so they drive him to the tombs. And, and, and really, not much, not much has changed there. The graveyards are still a common place. People seek to either perform demonic rituals or to go ghost hunting. Right? Not a good idea to go ghost hunting in a graveyard. Because you're not dealing with ghosts. You're dealing with demonic powers. And we also need to remember what has just taken place before Jesus has, has pulled up on the, on the shores, on the banks here. See, Jesus had wanted to cross to the other side of the sea. And, and while Jesus is just getting some rest, right? He's like, I gotta, I gotta take some time for myself. So he goes to the front of the boat and he falls asleep in the front of the boat, but this fierce storm has arisen. The guys are freaking out, right? They're freaking out. Oh, we're going to die. We're going to all drown. And, and Jesus gets up and he's like, I just wanted to get a little quick nap, guys. Just, I, I feel more like the babysitter here. But he gets up and, and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And by doing that, it's this demonstration of the power that he has over the forces of nature. How amazing is that? And then they pull up on the shore and immediately Jesus is met by this man and it is the demons that are addressing Jesus. The man's not addressing Jesus. It's, it's all these demons are addressing Jesus. And from the text we understand that this man had been possessed for some time. We don't know how long. Um, and in the past, he had been bound with, with shackles and chains, but it had gotten to the point that nothing, nothing that, that they could do could keep him bound. Is that not amazing? See, there's a supernatural possession, a demonic possession that can come upon people and give them extraordinary strength and, and things like that. And he was tortured. And this man was tormented by all these demons that he had. And he cried out and he cut himself living in a spiritual agony that I pray none of us will ever understand. How he had come to this point in his life is not discussed. Rather, what we see here is what happens when the forces of evil encounter the power of Christ. See, sometimes, sometimes we don't need to know all the details of the past, do we? How did this person get to this point? That's not nearly as important 
as important as this person having an interaction with the all-powerful Jesus Christ possessing all authority. Now it's important also to understand that, that the demons here, these, this legion of demons, they very, very much recognized who Jesus was. And they submitted to Jesus. They even pleaded with him not to send them to the abyss. The text says, don't send us out of the country. Other texts talk about, they, they're saying, don't send us to the abyss. The abyss is the eternal um, place where Satan will eventually wind up. All the demons will eventually wind up. And all those who have, have not um, called upon Jesus as their Lord and Savior will eventually wind up after the great white throne of judgment. Once they're there, they're there. But these demons understood. If we can convince Jesus or ask Jesus or beg Jesus, don't send us to the abyss. Send us somewhere else. Then they know that they can continue to exist in this earthly realm and influence people. So, so that's what they did. They persuaded Jesus to send them into this herd of about 2,000 pigs. Could you imagine the smell 2,000 pigs must have made? we got to understand, when Jesus crossed the, 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 the sea here, it was uh, the land of the Gentiles, right? Because obviously Jewish people wouldn't be around unclean pigs at this time. So we know that they were Gentiles. They had different customs, um, but the stench, the stench must have been horrendous. And by the authority of Jesus, see, they knew they were going to be sent somewhere. Being sent somewhere wasn't the question. Jesus was saying, come out of that person. The, Jesus, the demons had no choice. They knew they had to come out. They knew they were going to be sent somewhere because by and through the name of Jesus, all powers and all principalities must abide. You can take that one home with you. You can write that one on your refrigerator. Some of us need to hear that a little bit more often. So Jesus casts this legion of demons into about 2,000 pigs, and then the pigs run down and drown themselves in the sea. Why do you think they did that? They did that to release themselves, right? Those 2,000 demons, here's the deal. Those 2,000 demons, they're still active in this world today. They went and attached themselves to other people, and when those people died, it's just like this recycling program, right? So we see the pigs, they all go down, they die, demons are released, um, all of this. Now this will come into play in a minute, but for now let's think about this man. Let's think about this man. Because the instant that happened, He's finally free from the torment and the torture. We can't even begin to probably think about how that must have felt. I mean, we've been set free from stuff usually, right? It's like, man, Jesus set me free from that. You know? This guy was so possessed by demons. And now, all of a sudden, he isn't. The voices are gone from his head. The, the desire to cut himself is gone. The, the desire to speak vile words and swearing and cussing and, and, and all of those things, 
the vileness, it's, it's all gone. And clarity and consciousness, they, they begin to return. And, and finally, this man, he has a sense of hope. He has a sense of peace. This man's first interaction with Jesus literally changed and saved his life. And it was the full meal deal. It was. Because Jesus freed him from the spiritual bondage that had overwhelmed him. Jesus freed him from the mind and emotional slavery the demons had put him under. And Jesus healed him from the physical torment that he had experienced. Jesus restored this man's spirit, mind, and body. And I believe all of us, each one of us that comes to Jesus, we experience this. This is just a very vivid example, isn't it? Usually we're not that messed up, right? You come in and talk to me and say, you know what, I don't think Jesus can help me because I'm pretty messed up. We're going to this text. <laughs> really? You think, you think you're messed up? Check this story out. You ever live in the tombs? Naked? You ever cut yourself? Ever? You ever tormented? Year after year after year? Man, Jesus did a work in this man, didn't he? And like this man, how can we too not be compelled to follow Jesus? How can we not? Take another look at verses 18 and 20. As he, Jesus, was getting ready, was getting into the boat. So it's like, it's like, hey guys, let's go to the other side of the sea. And by the way, we're going to encounter a crazy storm. And then I'm going to calm the storm. And then we're going to hit the other side. I'm going to do a quick thing. And then we're going to jump in. We're going to leave again. And the, the 12 are like, I'm game. Let's, let's, let's do it. As he, Jesus, was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. Begged him. Jesus, let me come with you. Jesus, I just want to be with you. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Now, one of the things that absolutely jumps out at me here when it says, go home to your friends. To your friends? Oh, yeah, these are great friends, aren't they? Are those the friends that change you? Are those the friends that kept putting shackles on you? Are those the same friends that told you to go live in the tombs because we don't want you here? Those friends? Oh, you want me to go talk to those friends? See, this man's natural reaction was to go with Jesus. It's most of our natural reactions when we have a true encounter with Jesus. We won't go with Jesus. Now, of course it was his natural reaction. How could it not have been? See, Jesus had shown this man the compassion and the love 
that everyone else had withheld. But instead of allowing him to come, Jesus gave this man a pretty incredible assignment. Go home, Jesus says. Go home. Go back to your former friends. Go back to the people who had driven you to the tombs. Go back to those who had chained you. Back to those who had given up on you. Go back to them and testify. Testify and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And through the Lord's mercy, proclaim the greatness of Jesus. And do you know what happened? He did just that. He did it. He listened to Jesus. I just want to go with you. I just so want to get on that boat with you, Jesus. I just want to hang out with you, Jesus. But if Jesus, you are telling me to do something different, if Jesus, you are giving me an assignment, well, most of all, I want to obey you, Jesus, because of what you just did for me. I will do anything for you, Jesus. So he goes back into the community, and it says the people marveled. I bet we could dig into that word marveled and, and really expand that and see that it probably means a, a multitude of different reactions. Because what I'm picturing in my head is much more than the people just marveling. I think the people were saying things like, could this, could this be the same person? I don't know if this is the same person person. Did Jesus really just set him free? The words he is speaking attest to the hope and life and love of compassion and compassion of Jesus. But look at his appearance. I know who he used to be. Maybe I can visualize that because Honestly, sometimes we hear those same things in church. No hallelujah, no amen. No nothing on that one. Oh, so, hey pastor, you see who's here today? You see who just walked in? What are they doing here? What are you doing here? I've been set free. Right. Thank God. And, and I'll say this. Thank God we don't have a church like that. Boy, I've been in churches like that. Mm. our last church before we moved here, everyone's church. People would come to our church and say, oh yeah, we tried to go to another church. But they suggested we come here instead. Say amen to that. You don't want to be in that church then. You want to be in this church. See, this man was set free. And he could not keep quiet about it. How could he not attest and testify and witness to what Jesus had done for him. Now ultimately, ultimately, he did have a choice. And he chose to show and to tell anyone who would listen. Man, he didn't just go to, oh, I kind of know these people. He went to the Decapolis, man. He went to the arena. He went to the main area. And he's like, man, I'm going to tell it. I'm going to scream it. I'm going to, check me out. Check. I got the scars. But the scars are healed. 
I, I, I'm the same person. I got clothes on. Is, you know, that's appropriate. But now it's me speaking. And I'm talking about something that I, I encountered personally. This man could describe what it felt like to have 2,000 demons within him. Whoa! You think you got a good story? This guy's story is way beyond your... It's like, yeah, I struggled with alcohol for three days out of my entire life, and I said four curse words. That's a great testimony. God set you free from that. This guy's talking about having 2,000 demons in him. How could people not listen? It would be intriguing. So ultimately, he did have a choice. And ultimately, he chose to go to do what Jesus told him to do, to show everybody and to tell everybody. See, this right here reminds me of a parable. It's a couple of parables we find in Matthew 13. It's 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This man had experienced Jesus. Now nothing else will ever come close. He's going to do whatever possible to stay, to do, to be about the work of Jesus. What an amazing story. See, he found that ultimate treasure. And I, and, I, and I know most of you here today have found that ultimate treasure. This treasure in Jesus Christ. And He, just like each one of us, are never the same. If you're saying you've met Jesus, but you can't say you're never the same, then I would question. Because man, when we meet Jesus, truly meet Jesus, man, we want to sell everything. We want to ditch everything. We want to go into the town and tell everybody about Jesus. The same town that wished us dead and far away. So yes, this is an incredible story of the redeeming and transforming power of Jesus Christ. And I wonder what this man must have faced when he entered the city. I believe it's the same thing a lot of people face first time they enter a church. Right? How many people feared him? How many people threw his past in his face? How many people disregarded him simply because, after all, we know this guy. We've seen him year after year. We knew who he was before. So how could he be any different now? But see, none of that mattered. None of that mattered to this man. Because he made a deliberate choice to proclaim Jesus Christ. God can use the most possessed man found in the scripture for his glory and testimony of redemption and mercy. Gosh, couldn't he use any of us? Yeah. Could he? I meet people all the time. My God could never use me. 
I'm too far gone. I don't know. If I walked into church, I'd probably burst into flame. Taking a break from organized religion. All of these things. Then we look at this man and everything that he had been through. The possession, the torment, the seclusion, the isolation. And Jesus said, I'm not only going to set you free, I'm going to give you a job to do. Could He use any of us? Absolutely. Absolutely. When we embrace Christ over our past, and we allow ourselves to be used. What a great story. But that's not all of it. Because now let's look at the other dynamic that's going on here. Verses 14 through 17. The herdsmen's fled. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> all their hogs just ran into the ocean and drowned. The herdmen fled and told the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described it to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg. They began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Here's the part I have never been able to grasp. Maybe until this week. When those, those that have been eyewitnesses to this event reported what had happened to the man as well as the pigs, the people decided it's time for Jesus to go. It's time... It's time for them, it's time for him to leave. And as you see, it in fact says that they begged him, they pleaded with him, Jesus, just, just go, just, just go. See, the people, they recognized that a supernatural event had taken place. But they also knew that they could neither fully understand it nor control it. If Jesus has the power to set this man free, and as a consequence a herd of pigs was destroyed, well then what might else happen? What else could happen? Gosh, if he did this. Gosh, if people started coming to our church, unsaved people started coming to our church and they actually started getting saved, how, how might that change things? Might they sit in my seat? Might they drink all the coffee? I'm not sure we want that, do we, Pastor? Do we really want those people coming? Pastor, do we really want all the seats taken? Pastor, do we really want to face having to think about a second service or a different service time? Do Pastor, do we really want that? Wouldn't it be easier if we just went back to the way things were or the way things I want them to be? Can't you just ask Jesus to leave? When, when you're preparing a message, can't you just not, not listen? Can you talk about the easy stuff and leave the Jesus stuff out of there? Can't we just leave him out? 
We can laugh about that, but isn't that the exact same thing happening here? What else might happen? See, the people were full of fear. They were full of ignorance. They were full of selfishness. They were more focused uh, with the material loss of the pigs than the compassion shown to this possessed man by Jesus. They were focused on the stupid pigs instead of what Jesus had just done. How many times do we do that? Man, Jesus is working at the altar today, but man, I just got to get to lunch. Church has gone on long enough. So they asked Jesus to go. And Jesus went. Jesus left. Because Jesus didn't want to stay somewhere that he wasn't wanted. Ouch. Because how many churches right now in our country are saying that Jesus stuff, it gets a little messy. We don't really want that. Hey Jesus, could you leave? Could you leave? Because you're messing up church for us. Remember my fabricated idea of what church should be? Jesus, 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 you're messing that up. Could you, could you leave? And you know what's happening? He's leaving. Because he's not, he's not going to stay where he's not wanted. Jesus, we want you here. Amen. There's nothing more that we want. There's nothing more that we can offer you than ourselves, than our hearts. So Jesus, you plant yourself here. You plant yourself here. This is your church. So we look at all of this. We look at all of this. And, and I have to come to this question. Is there a lesson here for us? Is there a lesson? And I, and I think so. I think so. And one of those lessons is this. Following Jesus can be messy. Oh my goodness, following Jesus can be... It's so much easier to fabricate and hide over here in my sin. Hide over here in my prejudice. It's just easier to do that. But when I have an encounter with Jesus, Jesus says, that's not of me. So we got to get rid of that. And stuff starts getting messy. And then messy people start coming into our church. And we think, well, they're just going to bring their mess. And Jesus says, that's not your mess. That's my mess. And I'm going to clean up that mess. You just sit there and you rejoice. And you be a part of this messy church that we got going here. See, again, in our fabricated mindset, we can determine within our own brain how our faith should look. It should look all neat and tidy. How our church should look. Oh, we want this look at our church. But most of all, we try to fabricate how Jesus needs to behave. Wasn't that what these people were doing? They couldn't control the behavior of Jesus. It scared them. So they said, I think you need to leave. See, when we do these things, we think that's where safety and comfort exist. But Jesus never said, I want you to be safe. No. He never said, I want you to have a safe life. He never said, I want you to live a comfortable life. 
what Jesus said is, I want you to live a life faithfully devoted to me. And do you know what? Sometimes that gets messy. Sometimes that looks much different than we expect it to. Sometimes we have to come overcome that fear. Sometimes we have to overcome our past. Sometimes it's our ego that gets in the way or even our prejudice. All in order to be a part of what the Lord is doing. I, I, I truly believe you guys have a desire to be a part of what the Lord is doing. Sometimes we have to change our thinking in order to align ourselves with the Lord so that we can be a part of what the Lord is doing. Sometimes we have to change. Oh, that word change. Sometimes we have to change our mindset, change our situation. Sometimes we have to change our location. And I don't mean move somewhere else. I mean change our location, our thinking. It's this place that we plant ourselves. Sometimes we, we, are, we are just in the wrong part of town way too much. We need to change that location. And at other times, we need the Holy Spirit to release us or revive us. Isn't that what this possessed man needed? He needed to be released from all of those demons, right? But all the time, we need to make the choice to pursue and to cling to Jesus himself. Now there is one more thing you need to consider here. This passage shows, and I would bet you have your own examples, and, and, and listen closely, it shows the harsh reality is when the power of Christ is demonstrated in your life, not everyone will be excited about it. You guys are going, oh, you have no idea. Now this can be family members. I went through that one. This can be friends. To an extent, we've probably all gone through that one. It can be co-workers. Yeah, this guy was fun on Friday. I don't know what happened over the weekend, but he comes back and he's like talking about this guy named Jesus. What happened? I can't work with him anymore. He's one of those fundamentalists now. So sometimes it's our co-workers. You know what, though? It can even be others in your own church. When a supernatural act of God has been placed upon your life or displayed in your life, not everybody in your church always gets excited because after all, we knew them before. We knew who they used to be. They just would always spin their wheels. I don't see how this could be any different now. Well, it's because it's a supernatural act of Jesus Christ upon their life. That's what's different. In this case, it was the townspeople. In our case, in general, it's the world, right? It's the world we live in, both close and far. See, the world fears the love and the power of God. Just like this legion of demons feared the love and power of Jesus Christ. People fear that if Jesus is really who he says he is, then they would have to change and accept Him for the Lord and Savior that He is. That's, that's what people fear. 
They fear that. Isn't that a twisted up thing? Because once you surrender to the Lord, to the Savior that He is, it's not burdensome. It's wonderful. It's the best thing that we ever did. But before we do that, we're afraid of it. So it's not about the pigs. It's about the person. Now now don't mistake it here. Because I'm not talking about the demon-possessed man. I'm talking about the person of Jesus Christ. It's not about the pigs. It's about Jesus. Who cares about the pigs? Because it's all about Jesus. What are your pigs? What are your pigs? What are you crying over? Because if I fully jump into this relationship with Jesus, look at, look at what I might have to give up. Look at what might die. Look at what might have to get out of my life. What are your pigs? It's not about the pigs. It's not about the pigs, guys. It's about the person. Remember, it's always about the person. See, left to ourselves, we will always seek comfort. We will seek easy. We will seek selfishness. We will seek complacency. Left to ourselves, that's what we always seek. Man, I was sitting there with a big plate of smoked pork nachos. I wanted to be by myself. Right? I just wanted a little time. And God said, but I got something way more for you. Oh, it just dawned on me I was eating pork nachos. I wonder if it was one of the 2,000 pigs. He was tasty either way. Thank you. See how the Holy Spirit just... I mean, that's a God-given thing right there. Not really. I want complacency. I want comfort. I want safety. I want easy. Just as much as each one of you. But thank God, Jesus sees so much more in us. See, the hardest thing we fight against is the change He wants for us. The hardest thing you'll ever fight against is the change He wants for each one of you. Because with change comes conviction. With change comes clarity. With change comes conflict. So sometimes we simply take the attitude of these townspeople and we don't want that conflict. We don't want that change. So we distance ourselves from Jesus. Because after all, the way it has always been seems safer than the unknown of what could be. You guys want a big dose of biblical reality? How many of you guys want a big dose? I want a big dose of biblical reality right here. Matthew 10, 34 through 38. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword of division between belief and unbelief. For I have come to set man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household when one believes and another does not. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, can 
conforming to my example in living and, if need be, suffering or perhaps death because of faith in me is not worthy of me. I thought Jesus was love. Isn't Jesus just love? Yeah, Jesus is love. Jesus is truth. Jesus is righteousness. Wrap that all up. And Jesus says, I am to be worshipped by my people. I am to be in the number one position. See, there's a position. There's a hierarchy, right? God is number one. And here's the deal. God doesn't share that position with anyone or anything. Husbands, wives, you can't, you can't make it happen. Jesus has to be in that number one spot. That's why those coexist bumper stickers drive me nuts. They do. Because what they're saying is, is this, there's multiple thrones on the number one spot, right? All the different world religions are on equal ground. No, that ain't how it is. I don't care. Yeah, I'm stubborn. Yeah, that's the, I'm that guy. Because Jesus, Jesus doesn't share His throne with anybody. And Jesus is saying in this Scripture, if you try to make that happen, if you try to put anybody even with me, you're not worthy of me. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. When you turn to me and you begin to follow me, things are going to get messy. You're going to encounter conflict. Don't be surprised because it's going to happen. See, many of the Jews in Jesus' day, they thought the Messiah was going to come and bring them peace and prosperity. Oh, the Messiah's going to come. He's going to blast all these Romans out. He's probably just going to kill them and the earth's going to swallow them up. We won't have to deal with them anymore. And then we're going to have peace. We're going to have safety. We're going to have comfort. We're going to have complacency. Throw in a little apathy. But overall, we're going to have prosperity. Jesus is going to bring prosperity. And many Christians today believe this same exact thing. But biblically speaking, and, and from our own experiences, we know that the gospel message entails strife and dis division. I don't think anybody in here can hold up their hand and say, oh yeah, every single person in my family is saved, born again, and following Jesus right now. At Thanksgiving, we can talk about Jesus on Thanksgiving and nobody will get upset. It doesn't happen. We've got to tame our tongue in different areas and figure out different ways to initiate this conversation. There is strife and division everywhere. The world expects us to shut our mouth as Christians. Christians are the problem. Christians are doing this and that and it's getting worse and worse and worse. But this is not the time for Christians to shut their mouth. This is the time to understand that strife and division will come regardless. So we might as well be acting like this demoniac and listening to Jesus and doing the things that Jesus is telling us to do. Talking to the people that don't like us, that try to chain us, that try to bind us. We're in those days. See, it is how you determine in your life how you will face this inevitable strife and division that matters the most. It's not if, 
It's how you will face it. For the possessed and the delivered man, he was determined to obey Jesus and to take his testimony into the very town that feared him, despised him, and ask the one who set him free and delivered him to go away. See, that took boldness, and that took guts, and that's exactly what Jesus was looking for. But it also took love, it took grace, and it took mercy. Not on his own accord, but rather the love, grace, and mercy that he had experienced in Jesus. Worship team, if you guys could quietly start to come up. See, nothing could sway this man. Nothing was going to sway this man. Think about what he had already been through. Think about what he had faced. He had faced supernatural demonic powers. And he had seen Jesus come in and just relegate those to nothing. He had seen all of these things. So nothing was going to sway him. Nothing was going to stop him. Listen to this. Nothing within himself was going to stop him. But nothing beyond himself was going to stop him either. So we must each ask ourselves this simple question. Flip, flip that last slide, I think. It's the last one. Do I have a last one? There it is. You got to ask yourself this question. Great question. Don't you love the question time? Who am I more like? The man rescued and redeemed by Christ? Or the ones who asked Jesus to leave them alone? I'll be honest with you. When I heard somebody busted in the front door, tried to break into our church, I was like, oh, oh, let's get the cops. Man, if they're still in that building, we're going to lay some hands on that person. <laughs> I'm, I, we're going to lay some hands. And, and throughout this, this whole thing, I, I can say, man, they know who did it. They know this woman who did it. They know it. I hope they catch her. I hope they throw the book at her. I want to go confront her and ask her, why would you break into church? What's wrong with you? But then the Holy Spirit says, oh, so you want to be like the townspeople. Oh, yeah, maybe you could go shackle her. Maybe you put her in chains. Maybe, maybe you could drive her to the tombs or whatever. Maybe you could ostracize her, right? Because after all, she should never be allowed in your church after what she did, right? I'm not saying that we're not smart. I'm not saying that we don't play things safe. But what I'm saying is, is instead of me judging her, maybe I should be praying for her. Maybe I should be praying that maybe she does get sent to jail. And maybe she meets Jesus in jail. And maybe in a year's time, she comes to this church full of Jesus and says, hey, can I just address your con congregation? And I'm going to be like, you're legion. You're legion. So maybe I have to adjust my mindset. Maybe I have to desire to be more like the rescued and redeemed man by Christ because 
I am the rescued and redeemed man. Christ rescued me. He redeemed me. And then He said, man, I got a job for you. I'm like, can I just go to heaven now? It's the equivalent of saying, can I get on the boat with you? And Jesus said, no. No way. I got a job for you. And you know what? He's saying the exact same thing to each one of you in here this morning. Each one of you. Jesus is saying, I have rescued you. I have redeemed you. Now I have a job for you. And it's a messy job. And it's going to be a hard job. And it's a job you're going to be like, I don't know if I want to go in there. I don't want to talk to those people. But by the power and the leading of the Spirit, Jesus is saying, I am with you all the way. Now go testify to the glorious things that I have done in your life. Now on the flip side of that, I can be like, man, that's a little too much, Jesus. This whole Jesus thing, I didn't know it was so involved. I didn't know it would cost me so much. It could cost me financially. It could cost friendships. It could cost my job. It could cost family members. What I don't want you to do is to simply say, Jesus, this is a little much. Will you go away? Please go away. Please go away. Because you know what? He's going to honor that. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman, right? Holy Spirit, I don't want anything to have, I don't have anything to do with you. Not at all. Would you just leave? And then the person's life just goes to garbage. I've seen it over and over and over. And I've seen the flip side of that. And people are sitting here today going, man, that's me. Man, I am legion. Man, I am the townspeople. Man, there's a, there, there's a bunch. Turn, bring the lights all the way down. We're doing a good old-fashioned altar call this morning. We've had communion a couple weekends, or the last two Sundays, which has been amazing. But it's time to get back to these altars because I believe there's some people in here and maybe, maybe you feel like you're full of demons this morning. Maybe you do. I'm not going to say that that could never happen because it could. Let's get them out of here. Let's get them out of here this morning. You're in a church that loves you. You're in a family that wants to bring you in. So if you're, if you're not involved with Christ right now for whatever reason, come on forward. Let's all just pray together. Get on the, get at the altar. If you're guilty of being a townsperson, if you're guilty of being that little judgmental, hypocritical spirit, yeah, but look who it is. Do you think they really? Well, I know their past. If you've done that, if you've done that in the last 60 days, done that in the last several years, if you've never repented of doing that, let's get that cleared up today. Man, I don't want anything holding this church back going forward. So I don't want any of the body parts of this church hanging on to that festering filth of unforgiveness or judgmental or hypocritical spirits. Man, let's just get rid of those things, okay? Let's just do that this morning. Let's get right with God. Let's bask in His glory. Let's affirm our relationship with Him. And let's pray for this woman that's so wrapped up in bondage that she thought it was a good idea to break into a church. You know, I always pray, Holy Spirit, don't let anybody leave the same way that they came. And I pray that's exactly what happened that she did not leave here after throwing a rock through our door the same way. That there's something. There's something going on in her spirit. There's something going on in her head. 
that there's a change. Amen. So everybody stand up. We're going to start this song. Which song is it? Defender. We're going to sing Defender. And I'm going to ask you guys right now, go ahead and start the song. Come down. If you need Jesus, if you need to repent, if you need confirmation, if you need clarification, if you're feeling conviction, come on down now. Come to these altars. And we've got people who want to pray with you. The meal later is going to be later. Don't worry about that. Don't treat the meal like the pigs. Don't let anything get in your way. Say, Jesus, you're here right now. I want to hold on to you. If this message touched you in any way, if it convicted you in any way, don't run from that. Don't ask Jesus to leave. Usher him in. Pull him in. Pull him close. We've all made mistakes. We're all going through different things. We've all been lost. We've all been scared. We've all lived in uncertainty. But Jesus is here to help us with that, individually and as a church. I believe God is doing things here. He's rumbling. He's starting stuff here. I don't know if you guys feel it, but man, God is starting some stuff here. The Spirit is saying, you are my people. I want to bestow these gifts to you. I want to do these things to you and in you. And all we have to do is surrender and submit. And that's exactly what we will do. Never asking Jesus to depart, but offering everything here to Him, ourselves, this body to Him. This word has touched you today. Please share it with those that aren't weren't here today. You guys know people that probably need to hear this message. Please. Let's just join together and pray for this woman who tried to break into the church. I like to call them ambush prayers. We just all get together and we pray. And the Spirit of God is powerful. And the Spirit of God works. And His Word doesn't return void. That, that is a, a daughter of the King. She's just currently outside the kingdom. Let's pray her into the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the depth of your word, the power and the authority of your word. Lord God, help us to walk in the Holy Spirit. Help us to not leave here the same way that we came in, but in power and in boldness. Lord God, let us take our testimony to the streets, to the people who have scorned us, to the people that have judged us, to the people that we hold unforgiveness to. Lord God, help us to forgive them and to share your love and mercy with them. Pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And one last time, everybody shouted, Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.